Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Mama Marquita, that song was a blessing. I don't know if you saw me in the back there. Hands up. I mean, wow, that, that was super, super, super good. Thank you for blessing us in that way. And moms, let me say happy Mother's Day. Uh, I apologize if I've seen somewhat a little bit like distant today. Sickness has kind of been in our home uh, most of the week. I, I feel great. I'm the type when someone in my home, you know, kind of gets sick. I'm the one like from the other side of the room. Hey, love you, buddy. You know, it's nighttime. Hey, good night. Love you. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like the whole social distance concept when COVID came, that's existed in the Johnson home for ever since I had kids, right? Uh, but no, all seriousness, that's, that, that's more the reason why trying not to I feel, I feel great, um, but just not to pass anything uh, on to you and uh, really be in prayer for our family because uh, we, Sarah and I, we're getting ready to take a 20th anniversary uh, trip um, out to, to Europe. And so we're really, really trying to uh, make sure that we are uh, fully healthy for that trip. But these are not just a small gift. Mike, I love you in the way that you worded that. These are seize candy gold mines right here. And when you feel the weight of these bad boys, you're going to know that it's not just a simple. This one's called a, is a scotch mellow bar. Honey, marshmallow, and vanilla caramel covered in milk chocolate. This one's going to stay up here with me, okay? I like what Mike did say, though. Like, we, we're not changing our voices. We're not changing our outfits. We live in a world today where we can kind of just say, hey, I'm going to identify as whatever we want today. For those of you that are moms, you've had children, and we'll talk, you know, of course, if you've, uh, if you've lost one, like miscarriage, please take, a, um, take, a, uh, take one of those. We're, we're here for you. We're here to celebrate you today, and uh, it is a joy uh, to make much of you. And those of you that have been in our church for any length of time, uh, you know that sometimes we just stay in a series. And, but we've been in on this series on uh, kingdom prayer and how we've been asking God to forgive us of our sins and transgressions. And, uh, and so I said, Lord, this year, you want me to, you want me to preach a, a Mother's Day message? And so the Lord gave me the green light on that a few weeks ago. And so I'm excited about today. And we do honor you, moms, with this title, Motherhood Matters, Even If Society Does Not Agree. Motherhood Matters. Now, one might ask, Ryan, why, why that? title and my answer to that question is is God used gender as a part of the process of saving the world meaning that that the womb is one of God's great tool for the salvation of the human race God had to, if you'll allow me to kind of use this loosely, God had to borrow a womb to accomplish his plan. He fulfilled the promise through a borrowed womb. We see in Galatians 4, verse 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. So I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to ponder it. We live in an age where sex is exalted, where it is, uh, where, where it is revered, but gender is confused and motherhood is mocked at. But God did not use sex to save the world. Is it okay that I say that word in church? I think we ought to probably say things like this more in churches. And, but he didn't use that 
to save the world. Instead, he used a part of a concept of gender. God used gender of the female kind to bring about our Savior, Jesus Christ. God honored pregnancy. God honored motherhood in a way that our culture does not today. See, God, God bypassed what our culture worships today, and that is um, sexuality and sex. And he used what our culture dismisses as important. That would be motherhood. And so moms should be honored by us because God honored all of them via through the incarnation of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, of course, there are women who do not have children or who cannot have children or who have lost a child. And in no way do we minimize the pain and the reality of that. But today is simply a day to honor motherhood. And that's the desire that I wanted to, to bring about this morning. And so to do that, we're going to look at the life of Mary. We're going to look at the life of Mary, Jesus's, uh, Jesus's uh, mother. In John chapter 19, verse number 25 says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. And so as we make much of motherhood today, again, do not mean to diminish other roles, but we want to we value that today. Let's start off with kind of just this story of this kind of this overarching story of Mary, and then we'll see kind of how mothers fit into this. So we'll start off with a mother's joy, a mother's joy. Who can rightly describe the joy that God allows when a baby is brought into the world? I mean, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to put it into words, uh, the, the, the joy of that. It's just an amazing miracle in which new life is born into this world. And it, and it is indeed a miracle. It's incredible. It's an amazing, even though our world has just kind of uh, demonized the whole concept. And when is it actually a, a child? And we believe biblically that that is at the moment of conception. But this amazing miracle that takes place and the joy that floods that mother's heart as well as of course the father and the family anticipating the birth of her child mary she composed one of the most beautiful songs that's ever written in luke 1 46 and mary said my soul doth magnify the lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in my in god my savior for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. See, Mary, Mary was unique. Mary was still a virgin. Mary had never known a man. She had not known Joseph. It's while they were still espoused. They had not known each other. And so she was a virgin. This child was going to be uh, a child of the Holy Spirit. It's going to overshadow her, getting ahead of myself a little bit here. But this angel appeared to her. Let me read it to you in Luke 1.35. And the angel appeared and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, 
and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. This is the amazing miracle of the incarnation of God. God taking on human flesh. The Son of God is born of a woman. And Mary gave birth to Jesus. She wrapped him in, in, in cloths and laid him in a manger. We normally celebrate that, right? At Christmas time. No wonder this amazing miracle of what the Holy Spirit brought about that day. No wonder Elizabeth was, was moved when she was speaking to Mary. It says in verse number 42, And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. So the joy, those of you moms in here, you know what I'm talking about, that joy. And you're going to be celebrated today and you're going to reflect on that and don't play favorites with your kids. They all were joyous occasions. Amen? That was a little weak. No, we love them all. Of course we do. Excuse me. Uh, but no, it's a joyful, joyful, awesome time. And you moms know about that. But I think if you're going to look at the overarching story of Mary, you also need to think of a mother's anxiety. Anxiety. See, the birth of a child definitely brings great joy, but I also know that it brings great anxiety. And every parent in here would agree with me. You parents that might have children that are a little more grown and maybe even kind of out of the home, you never really stop being mama, right? You don't. And us kids, we don't want mama to ever stop being mama. And they're, and they're, they're thinking about you. They're, they're, they're worried maybe a little bit about what's going on in your life. Now, you might think, if I only had a perfect child, man, if, if I had the perfect child, this whole thing would be awesome. There would be no worries. There'd be no anxiety. If I just had someone that wasn't like Ryan when he was like eight or nine years old, and I was a terror, I'll tell you what. I think I'm reaping some of that in my, no, my kids aren't here, so I can't make fun of them. It's not fair. It's not fair to do that. But if I only had that perfect child, I wouldn't have anything to worry about. But I'm sure you know this. Mary had the perfect child. Jesus Christ was perfect. Jesus Christ never sinned. The author of Hebrews tells us that he was tempted. He lived in, in, in the temptations that come your way in all points like we are, but the Bible says yet without sin. And so, so Mary knew what it was like to have a perfect son. And she thought, you know, if you just, if you, if you just, if kind of, if I have this perfect son, it's just going to clear away the pressure, but that's not the truth. There's no parenthood without anxiety. Can I just give you a few snapshots into the life of Mary in Jesus and the surrounding uh, realm of what was kind of going on in her life. You think of before or, or eight days after he was born, Simeon in Luke 2, verse 34, and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against, look at verse 35, yea, a sword shall pierce through thy, speaking to Mary, own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. 
literally started when Jesus was just eight days old. At least that's all we can, we don't, we don't know about in a sense the first eight days. There's no doubt some worrying. Maybe Jesus was crying too much. Maybe he wasn't feeding properly. Absolutely. But in scripture, we see literally at the very beginning here, eight days in, that this godly man by the name of Simeon comes and he speaks to her and he, and he blesses her over Jesus and says, listen, there's going to come a day when a sword is going to pierce through your heart. You are going to experience something that others really aren't going to fully be able to understand. This perfect child is going to ultimately, of course, we know foreshadows giving his life for all of mankind. This is the first indication of what it would mean for Mary to be the mother of the Son of God. Well, then you fast forward multiple years because the scriptures don't really say much about uh, these young upbringing years. But then there's a time later in Luke 2, and Jesus is in the temple. Verse number 48 says, And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. That's why I use the word anxiety here. They, there's such anxiety that comes along with parenting children. You can't parent without it. And so these 12 years later, Mary and Joseph, they, they were now back in Jerusalem, and they were there for the Feast of the Passover. There's multiple families there, relatives and friends. They're all traveling together for this calendar event. Remember, um, remember Joseph Ryan talked to us about the different calendar events? This is one of those. Jesus is 12 years old now, which means that he was in middle school. So don't take Jesus out of everyday life. Okay, so if he was 12 years old and he was in middle school, that would mean that he also would have had some, you know, friends and things like that. And when you're in middle school, you want to hang out. You want to, uh, you want to play games or you want to do other things. And so Mary and Joseph thought maybe, I don't know, I'm kind of speculating here into the text, but they probably thought that, you know, he was with others. But when they begin to look for him, uh, he's not there with maybe the other uh, kids his age. They go back to Jerusalem so they got to take the, the, the day's journey back, and he's sitting in the temple. He's asking questions, and he's answering them too. So it's amazing, this 12-year-old boy. Why? Because he's God in the flesh. He's the very son of God, and so there's this anxiety. We've been looking everywhere for you, Jesus. Why would you do this to us? I remember when my kids get lost, man, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear that goes on. I've told you about the story when, when Blake wasn't really lost, but we thought he was lost when we were down in San Diego. We were at Coronado. It was on a Father's Day of all times, and we can't find him anywhere, and we thought he was gone forever. We literally did. No, he was just with Punka. That's my dad. He, they call him Punka. You know, that, no, he was just, they were, he came out of the elevator, this little guy with the Lego set that's like as big as him. He wasn't lost, but he was to us, anxiety. So you know what So. You, you know what I'm talking about. There's real anxiety. There's joy, yes, but there's also anxiety. Let me give you another opportunity to see a snapshot into this. In Luke 4, we learn when Jesus comes back to Nazareth. Now he's started his, his ministry in verse number 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And so his ministry is beginning. He's now in Nazareth. Nazareth is his hometown. It seems by this time, Joseph, his earthly father, has most likely passed off the scene, and Mary is now kind of running the household from what, from what you can kind of see. You don't necessarily hear of Joseph anymore. She's, she's managing uh, the care of the family alone, and so Jesus traveled uh, there, and, and so he had been, he'd, um, this is obviously where his mother had grown up, where, he'd, where he was at, and so, um, but when he spoke to the synagogue at, at his hometown, you would have thought, surely, this is where I can go see Jesus. He's going to be teaching in the synagogue. And so she comes and she sees him. And after quoting Isaiah, that's what Jesus was quoting from there. Jesus said this in verse number 21. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And so he had been prophesying, reading from the scroll of Isaiah. He had been reading that. And then he turns to those that are in the synagogue. And he said, that is coming true right now. Right now. And instead of being glad, they would have been individuals that would have been studying these prophecies. Rather than being glad, they accused Jesus of blaspheming, right? They were going to take him out to the precipice and literally throw him off. Verse number 28 says, And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. This was the reception in your hometown. We do not often read of Jesus in Nazareth after that. But Mary was there. This was, this was Mary's hometown. What was it like to ponder? What was it like for Mary to live there in a town that had literally hated her son? Now had tried to take his life. Let me give you another snapshot. In Mark chapter 3, verse number 20. And the multitude cometh together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. And a mother will always be concerned that her child has enough to eat. Amen, moms? You want to make sure your kids have enough to eat. And so it's not surprising that Mary here, she's concerned for Jesus. A godly woman loved her son, and when she saw him missing meals and losing sleep, she became anxious for him, as any mother would. Mary comes to the house where Jesus was teaching, and someone comes and tells Jesus in verse number 32, and the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. Then later in the text, Jesus says, Who's my mother and who's my brother? And then he's looking at the crowd, sitting around him. Verse 34, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as thy brother and my sister and mother. So what do you think Mary thought when she heard him say these words? In some way, the unique relationship with him was getting ready to end. There's going to be a new family. And this new family is not going to center around Mary. It's going to be centered around Jesus. It's not going to be a family that's made from flesh. 
It's going to be a family that's made from the Spirit in Jesus Christ. When you look at the experiences of Mary, the joys and the sorrows throughout the Gospels, what sustained her through this? What brought her through these troublesome times? What brought her through her anxieties? Well, let me tell you, it was that she had seen the glory of Jesus. See, John opens up his account of the ministry of Jesus with telling the story of the wedding at Cana, where they had run out of wine and where Jesus turned the water into wine. And Mary, she brought that problem to Jesus and she told all of the servants said, hey, I want you to do whatever he says. Verse number five says in John two, his mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And then Jesus turned the water into wine. And John says this later in the chapter, this beginning of the miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. See, Mary had already seen that. Mary had already seen the glory of Christ. She had literally raised him. She had never heard him say an ill word. She had never heard him lie. He had never cheated. He had never done it. He had never sinned ever. So she had already seen the glory of Christ. And now there's this, there's this problem of not having enough wine at this wedding. And so he gets the servants and said, do whatever he tells you to do. Because she already understood the glory that Christ has. There is something here for every one of us. What will sustain you through the pressures of life? What will sustain you in the anxieties that you face? Seeing Christ's glory and knowing that he's able to do all things will get you to wake up the next day and to continue to press in on the life that God has for you here. Great joy. Happy about your kids? Joy. Well, those kids brought some anxiety, right? They still do, even when they're big, big, big kids like us. But then let me show you one other area here. And that is a mother's need for rescue. Because there absolutely is a need for rescue. And let's go back to that opening text that we wrote, that we looked at, John 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus' mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Now, it's very striking. With the exception of John, all of the disciples had fled. We're told that around the cross, there were four women together with John. These four women watched, and they were no doubt weeping, and they were worshiping, weeping amidst all of uh, the mocking, the spitting, the taunting, the Christ-rejecting world. And none of us can fully enter into what it meant for Mary to stand there as her son was being crucified. The mother of our Lord who bore him into the world is now seeing Jesus Christ suffer for her, suffering for her rescue, suffering for the rescue of the entire world. Erwin Lutzer in his book, Cries from the Cross, I, I love this quote, it's beautiful. Listen to what he says, she who had planted kisses on the brow of that little child now saw that brow crowned with thorns. 
She who held those little hands as he learned to walk now sees those hands pierced with nails. She who had cradled him in her arms now saw him writhing alone on the garbage dump of Jerusalem. She who loved him at birth came to love him even more in death. Simeon's words had indeed come true. A sword was piercing through her very own soul. Jesus was on the cross three hours before the darkness. You remember we looked at the darkness on Good Friday service. But three hours prior to that darkness taking place, Jesus, from what we at least have recorded in Scripture, spoke three times. So you can imagine the large amounts of time in between what he said. So he originally, he first off said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right? And then he said, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. And then the third time is what we addressed in uh, John chapter 19, when he addresses his mother and then addresses John and says, this is now going to be that relationship. And so you can just imagine, at least from what we have recorded, three different times that Jesus spoke over the course of three hours. So Jesus begins to speak. It's probably like, hey, listen up, listen up. He's about to speak again. And that cross is dropped in. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then silence. Been nailed to the cross. He's dropped in. Has some, the thieves <laughs> have a conversation kind of with themselves, kind of with Jesus too. It's like, man, if you're the, really the son of God, save yourself. And then the next time he speaks, he says, today you will be with me in paradise after the one had said, no, 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 we, we deserve being here. Form of repentance here. This, this, this sin, what we've done, we deserve to die for this. But this man, he's, he, he's an innocent one. Would you remember me when you come into, uh, your, come into heaven, into paradise? He says, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. And then the third time, I wonder what led him to say what he said. I wonder what caused Jesus to look down to his mom and speak at least for the recorded in scripture third time while on the cross. I believe that what led Jesus to speak to his mother was when they began to cast lots for his robe. Let me read it for you in John 19. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and my vesture, kind of the, the, the coat, so to speak, they did not cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. They had taken the rest of his clothes, and they had divided them amongst the soldiers. But this robe, according to John, it was a, it was a seamless lo- robe. 
They had decided that they were not going to rip that up, obviously prophecy being fulfilled beautifully, but then also they decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to cast lots for it. Now, who would have made such a beautiful, seamless kind of garment or robe for Jesus Christ? Could it have been Mary? Could it have been his mother that said, this is something that is kind of so precious for you? Why, why speak now? She had been there all along. She had been watching. She had been weeping. Could it have been because of this seamless robe? I don't know. I tend to kind of, I tend to kind of think so because they had, um, when they touched the garment, that's when Jesus spoke. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother, this is right after, saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciples, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. The third time he at least recorded speaking. The relationship was about to change. What is Christ saying? How could John possibly replace Jesus? It's the, kind, it's the kindness of Jesus to, to provide for the care of his mother. John can care for Mary, but John can never take the place of Jesus. So why does Jesus say, behold thy son? Why does he say that? Behold thy mother. Now some of you, and I've prayed much about making this statement. Some of you have experienced the irreplaceable loss of a child. And to say to someone who has lost a child, well, you've got others, you just don't get it when we make a statement like that. There's no way that other children can replace the loss of someone else. And so in the birth of Jesus, Mary found indescribable joy and now as he suffers, she feels the experience of an irreplaceable loss. John can never take the place of Jesus. Everyone knows that. Another child doesn't take the place of the loss of someone else. So there's something more that's going on here that Jesus is than simply providing care for his mother. It's beyond that. Is he doing that? Yes. Is it kind and gracious and compassionate of Jesus to do that? Absolutely. But there's more depth to it. There's more meaning. Because the relationship between Mary and John, excuse me, and Jesus, was about to change. For 33 years, Jesus has been the son of Mary, according to the flesh. But as you know, he also was the son of God. He assumed human flesh, which he took from his mother, so he could become our redeemer. This is why he came into the world, and that's why he would ultimately then die on the cross. Now on the cross, blood is draining from his body. The life is fading from his flesh. The old relationship is passing, and a new relationship is beginning. As Mary stands at the foot of the cross, seeing Jesus in all of her sorrow, in all of this sword piercing through her own soul, she's saying, my son, my son, my son. And Jesus is saying, no, you must no longer see me as your son. From now on, John is to take that place 
in your life. Regard him as your son. And how is Mary to regard Jesus, her Savior and her Lord? See, when the angel came and told Mary about the child that was going to be born unto her, look at what it says here. This is so key. Luke 147. And my soul hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. She has always looked to God as her Savior. So how was God going to save her? Well, the answer is, is that Jesus is going to go to the cross. Her son is going to lay down his life, the very life, the human life that he drew flesh-wise from Mary. His body was going to be broken. His blood was going to be poured out. Mary's son dies, and in his death, he becomes her Savior. I want you to understand what's happening here. Mary loses an irreplaceable son and she gains an incomprehensible savior. Mary's gain was so much greater than her loss. She lost the love of a son who was taken from her in death, but she gained the love of a savior in death that could never be taken. She lost the joy of a son who had brought her happiness on earth and she gained the joys of a savior who's at his right hand in heaven are pleasures evermore. The relationship was changing in this moment on the cross. She gave him life in the flesh for a time and he gave her life in the spirit for eternity. Her gain was more than her loss. Being a mother is a great gift. Right? I'm not one, but i married to one. I've got one. It's a great gift. But it's not the greatest gift. Having a godly mother is a wonderful gift. But it's not the greatest gift either. So my great question for you today is, have you found great gain by knowing Christ as your Savior? I believe that if Mary could show up on Mother's Day 2023, and she were to kind of stand before you, and she were to speak, she would say things like, I was so privileged to have this unique relationship with him in the flesh. But that changed at the cross. In his agony, he made it quite clear that John was taking this place that is regarded. The flesh passes away and I entered heaven, not because Jesus is my son, but because Jesus is my savior. Not because he is mine by birth, but because I am his by faith. See, faith unites us to Jesus Christ. That's where it's last. And he shares his life with us. Paul says it this way in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So faith unites us to Jesus Christ so that you can share in his life.
The reason he took on our life is so that you can share forever in this life. Forever. Is that your story? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Have you placed your faith in why he came? Mary had to. Mary had to understand that this relationship was going to change. Oh, there's great joy in having a child. Absolutely. Comes massive anxiety. But Mary came to the realization that I need rescue as well. And moms, your rescue is not in how great you do. Because sometimes, even dads too, we feel like failure sometimes. Your rescue's in Christ. It's in Christ. We're not going to get to heaven by flesh, but by faith through a union with Christ. Jesus said in John 5, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Whoever you are, by birth and nature, Jesus Christ invites you to come to him today. So on this Mother's Day, he's pleased to give life to you. And if you don't know him as your Savior, place your faith in him. There's a card in front of you at your seat there that explains it. If, take that. Think about it this afternoon. This great rescue that Jesus Christ provides. Moms, we honor you today. God honors you through the womb and motherhood. Our society tramples that. Our society says, ah, there's no value in that. God makes great deal value in gender and motherhood. And so we champion you today. And we are thankful that you brought us into this world and you have loved us through this world. Oh, we've brought a ton of anxiety your way. My mom will watch this service later today and she'll know that, yeah, I brought a lot of anxiety along the way. But the rescue's in Jesus. And so moms, I want to I thank you today. And I pray that you do feel, through the story of Mary, you can kind of see yourselves kind of in the pages of Scripture in that, in that motherhood for you. And so we, we celebrate you today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Why don't you thank the Lord for the rescue that's found in Jesus Christ?